good morning. Can you hear me okay? Am I on? Sort of? Yep. No? Yep. Needs to be a little higher? Better? Better? <laughs> okay, we'll figure that as we go. I, I can hear myself now, that's great. Uh, good morning, it's so good to be here. I'm so, I'm so thankful to be here at Junction Church this morning with all of you. I'm so thankful that you're all here. I'm so grateful. Just like the greatest gift, that being the presence of, of God in our lives, that your presence is the greatest gift. Thanks for, thanks for just being here. Um, you know, thanks for bringing who you are, your, your gifts and your talents and your strengths and all those beautiful things. Uh, most of all, just your presence. Just so glad to be together. Um, today, I, I'm just going to share what what the Lord has just impressed upon my heart over this week. There's just been some things He's just been uh, just emphasizing and highlighting to me as I've gone through the Word and, and as I've sought Him. And to be honest, there's just like a lot going on up here that I feel like I want to say, but I'm just going to trust the Lord that it'll come out and land as, as He has planned this morning. So uh, thank you for your grace in advance. Um, I want to talk about I want to talk about the harvest today, the harvest um, of people of souls as the Lord God is building His kingdom. And in addition to that, I want to talk about what is so complementary and necessary as a part of the harvest, and that is having a home for people to grow up in the Lord together. And my clicker isn't quite working. There we go. There we go. So I'm going to talk about things that, that are actually very contrasting but very complementary today. Um, Jesus tells us to, to lift up our eyes and to look around and see that the harvest is ready. The harvest is white. And we're also told in scripture to fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith. So we're lifting up our eyes, we're looking around, we're noticing, we're seeing, we're focused and we're fixed on Jesus. Jesus tells us to go. Go into all the world and tell them about the good news. And he also says to stay and to wait. To stay and to wait, to bask in his presence, to receive his power from on high. And I really can't wait to talk about making a house a home. So before I read this scripture verse to you, I'm going to give you a little bit of context. So at the, Jesus, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, uh, he was, so he's in Israel. He's in the southern part of Israel called Judea, region of Judea. And he's, he's telling people about the kingdom of God. He's baptizing people. He's making disciples. And then he decides that it's time to go to Galilee, which is north of Judea. And between Judea and Galilee, there's a place called Samaria. And he says, I have to go through Samaria, which geographically kind of makes sense. But historically speaking, we know that Jewish people did not go through Samaria. In fact, they, uh, they skirted around it to the east. And the reason being is because there's a lot of animosity between Jewish people and Samaritans who were half Jewish and, um, and mixed with, with other cultures. 
and to the Jewish people, it was very sacrilegious. There was a lot of animosity, a lot of hatred, a lot of discrimination. They kind of despised each other, and so Jewish people would, would go east around Samaria to get to Galilee. But Jesus said, I have to go through Samaria. So the Father, obviously, and we know that Jesus did what the Father was doing. He said what the Father was saying. Him and the Father were one, and his ministry reflected the Father's heart. And so he knew he had to go through Samaria. And so he, he arrives in Samaria at a well. He arrives at a well where there is, um, and it's, it's, they say it's at the sixth hour, which means noon. So it's middle of the day in Israel, so it's hot. It's hot, and, and at this well he encounters a woman. A woman by herself. And he speaks to her. I need to understand something really important here. Jesus, a Jewish man, who would, according to their culture, not even speak to a woman in public, let alone a Samaritan woman by themselves in Samaria, who is not just any woman. But there's a reason why she was at the well at noon when everyone else would have gone in the morning or in the evening when it's much more cool to go get water. It's because we learned that this woman herself was an outcast because of her lifestyle. She was sexually immoral. And so in this outcasted society, you have a woman who is an outcast of her society, and there she is at the well. And Jesus speaks to her, and she goes, who are you that you would speak to me, a woman? And Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you'd be, ask, you be asking me for a drink of water. Jesus actually asks her for a drink of water from her cup. Jesus then proceeds to tell her all the things that she's ever done. And then he proceeds to tell her, I am the Messiah who you've been waiting for. He introduces this good news, the message of the kingdom. He decides to start spreading his kingdom in Samaria through someone who obviously whose heart was white for harvest. Through the outcast of the outcast in the most countercultural and, and frowned upon way. So while he's at the well talking to this woman, the disciples who he had sent into Samaria to go get food because they've been on a long journey had come back and they, they see him and they say, okay, we, we brought food. And Jesus says, I'm not hungry. I, I have food that you don't even know about. He says to his disciples, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you, do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, that they are white for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. It's one of my favorite verses that Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. I think about that. Like, I love to eat. I don't know about you, but I, like, I love to eat. I'm a Dukeborg girl. I like to eat. Food is satisfying. It's enjoyable. It brings contentment. It brings strength. And Jesus says, 
my food, what, what satisfies me, what brings me strength, what brings me contentment, what brings me life, is to do the work, is to accomplish the work that the Father has given me to accomplish. And I kind of picture Jesus in this scene, kind of like standing there with maybe a bit of a smirk on his face, because he knows what he just did. He knows what he just did. He knows that he just lifted up and elevated somebody who has otherwise been discriminated against and oppressed and outcasted, whose heart, no doubt, was thirsty for his love. He knows what he just did, and he also knows what is about to happen. You see, after this scene, this woman then goes, runs into the city and begins to tell everybody that the Messiah has come. He tells every, she tells everybody that the Messiah has come, the one who tells us everything that we are to know. And people start coming to the kingdom of God. People come to Jesus through this woman. So I'd imagine he's just so thrilled, not only to have had this encounter with this woman, to lift her up, to encourage her, to give her her ministry, but he also knows it's going to be the catalyst of building his kingdom in Samaria. So this, this made me think and made me ask myself, where is the harvest white here in today's day and age? Where, who is it among us where our culture despises, has thrown aside, has said, we don't like you, you're not good enough, you're immoral, you're dirty, nobody loves you. I have a feeling those hearts are white for harvest, to know the love of God, to know the grace that is ours in Jesus. Matthew 9, 35 to 38 says, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. This is that part of that passage is what just kept coming to my heart over and over and over again all week long. Maybe it's because I'm a counselor and I work with distressed and dispirited people every day. Distressed and dispirited sounds like anxiety and depression. Do you know that anxiety and depression, they, they're actually operating in the same mechanism in the brain? Do you know it's just the same, two, it's a different side of the same coin? You know what the root of both of them really is? Sorry, I'm looking, me and Sabea keep looking at each other. She's an instructor at soccer college. And <laughs> Hopelessness. Hopelessness. Worry, it says that it's not going to be okay and you're not going to be okay. Depression says it's not okay and it's not going to get better. It's hopelessness. Well, who is our hope? 
Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory. This world is distressed, dispirited, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus Christ, oh, the hope of glory. Okay, so he says, oh, and just one more note about that. What I, what I think is just so important to note here, too, is the compassion that Jesus felt. He felt compassion for the people he ministered to. He felt compassion for the people that he brought the good news to. And I really want to encourage us to, to allow that to be our guide as well. Father, where, where have you given me authority? You know where you have authority? I'll tell you. Where you have love. Where you feel compassion and love for the person in front of you that's where you'll see authority coming in and the good news being preached. If you find yourself wanting to bring the good news and save people who need correcting and who need to be shown the better way, and uh, I would check yourself. I would seek out and ask God to give you a heart of compassion and love for where he would send you, a heart of compassion and love for your neighbor in front of you because it is there that you'll have authority. And you know where I, I kind of, where that landed, why that landed for me is I was recently watching a, a YouTube video of uh, Heidi Baker. I don't know if any of you know Heidi Baker. She is a, a, a world-known um, Christian woman who, I mean, God uses mightily. She's just, she's just given her life over to ministering to, to those primarily in Africa, but I mean, all over the world. It's, it's amazing what God does through her. And, She's in a, a country in Africa. She's been there for a long time, uh, ministering people who are, who are being ravaged by the, the civil unrest, by, by the war, by, by the violence that is taking place there as a result of, um, um, yeah, massacres and, and burnings. And it's, just, it's horrible. And she sees what, you know, one group of people are doing to another group of people, victimizing them, Stealing, killing, and destroying, just doing the devil's work. And she herself was convicted by God when she recognized how little, if any, love she had for the offenders. And God said to her, you know, where you have love, you have authority. And love started to cultivate in her heart for those who she knew was doing the offending and slowly and surely, God started to open up doors to start to mentor and bring the good news to people who were hurting others. Where you have love, you have authority. Okay, so we know to look around for God to show us. Show us, Lord. Show me where you would have me minister, bring the good news, love on people, heal the sick, you know, bring, bring hope to the hopeless. And he also says, fix your eyes. Fix your eyes on me. Jesus says in Hebrews, or Paul writes in Hebrews, the Lord says, and, and this is after um, he goes through a list of um, individuals in the past who have demonstrated just great, great faith to, to follow the Lord, to, to basically abandon all else and just to follow the mission and the purpose that, that God has given them. Um, 
So since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Whew. I tell you, I do not want to be picking up a cross that I don't have my why behind. A person who knows their why can do anyhow. And I don't know about you, but there's one thing that energizes me, that drives me forward, that um, it's the joy of the Lord. It is the joy of the Lord. And the Lord has put desires in our heart. He's, he guides us with, with where is your joy, where is your desire. He guides us, you know, using that to show us where our ministry lies, um, where we are to spread the good news, where are we to be the essence of him by his joy, not by misery, not by, not by criticism. The joy, that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Wow, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Okay. Uh, other way. Okay, so he says, fix our eyes. Look around and also fix our eyes. He says, go. We know the great commission. Jesus came up and spoke. This is after so Jesus. Jesus was crucified on the cross, died. He was resurrected, rose back to life. And this is him speaking to the disciples after he resurrected and be before he ascends into heaven. He says, Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he says, go. He says, go. But you know what he told them after that? He said, stay. So he says, go, but then he says, wait, stay, gather, wait. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. He says, go into all the world, but first gather. Wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of for me, for John, the Baptist, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or epics which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And I, I think that that complementary guidance just remains today on a daily basis. He says, go. Go out. Go tell people of the good news. Go be a light. Go let your light shine in such a way that, that people will see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. And he also say, come, gather. Gather under my wing. Come stay with me. Let me empower you. Let me pour into you. Let my spirit rest upon you. Come and rest in me. And from there we go. And it's like a cycle that we continue. We're going and we're gathering. 
we're going and we're gathering. That's why I'm so glad. I'm so glad to have church on Sunday mornings or, you know, once a week. I love this. I love that we can gather together, encourage each other, strengthen each other. I mean, he's, do, he's doing that all through, through us. I mean, his love flowing through all of us is just rich. It's so abundant here. So we're gathering. I was, um, we're like just hens under, we're like little chicks under his, his wings. Um, boy, did I get a picture of that yesterday. I was hiking on Yellow Pine Trail out in Syringa. And um, it was kind of hard to see the trail because all the, the growth and the greenery and the water had sort of like caused the branches to go over the trail in some parts. And, and, and all of a sudden I come upon this, this uh, oh, a pheasant, is that what they are? Those birds that like really react and uh, they can't really fly. Grouse, thank you, thank you. And um, so I, I, I see the, the grouse, but then all of a sudden like she moves and as she moves, underneath her, her both wings, I couldn't see it all, but as soon as she moved, I kid you not, there were like at least 10 like little, little chicks, you know, <laughs> she moves and they're all just like, <laughs> Like, where, where, where'd the warmth go? Where'd our protection go? And it was a bit of chaos because we had to go around the trail and mother was freaking out at us and we're trying to convince her we're, we're meaning no harm, but, you know, she didn't believe us. Anyway, but I just thought, I'm like, oh, that's, that's what, and that's what he says, to come gather, gather under my wings. Come just, come hide under me. Come receive my warmth. Come be together un under my wings. So, so go and gather. So the harvest is now. The harvest, the fields are white for harvest. But what do you do after a harvest? What do you do when the kingdom of God, when God is growing his kingdom and he's bringing hearts to him? Well, just like any newborn babe, we need a house to grow up in. And so I want to talk a little bit about, about making a house a home. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? The first house that is made a home is us. I just find it amazing that God gives his presence to us so those of us who just receive this free gift of life that Jesus has provided for us, this eternal life, this salvation, this relationship with him, and he gives himself, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. Amazing. And the Holy Spirit dwell, dwells in us. He makes his home in us. And he, and he starts to make that house a home. He, he fills it. He nurtures it. He, he, he fills it with his loving presence, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, self-control. He, you know, he cleans it up a bit. He gets out of the, rid of the clutter. He makes it a dwelling place where, where he and I or he and you have relationship together, commune, fellowship. And he fills us up so much with himself. We pour ourselves out into the other house that he's making a home. This house, the many other houses that he's making a home. Where us, you know, these individual houses with him dwelling in us come and gather and together as a family. Lyle, when you said family today, I was like, this is all about family. That's what the message is all about. It's about a growing family. It's about a growing family. And we see it in the beginning of Acts 
um, the environment, one of the main environments in which God builds his kingdom and, and um, brings people to him, people coming to the Lord by the thousands. We see this in times of persecution and scatter as well, but it's not plan A. This is plan A, a place of nurturing, a place of health, a place of support, a place where there's a house that is a home. He, he brings people to places that he knows will grow up and in a healthy environment and grow and be strong. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day those who were being saved in an environment where there was nurturing and home and fellowship and abundance, he was adding to those numbers day by day. So making our house a home, these are some of the things that came to me when it came to, um, to the topic of making a house a home. And I'm not surprised that safety was one of the first things. Um, we see in, in in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, or, or the, the f it's, a, it's a pyramid that identifies the, the foundation and the things that build on the foundation that lead to self-actualization, as we call it, which is essentially living your highest, fullest, truest expression of yourself. And at the foundation of that, in order for all the other things to build, we, we need safety. We need a safe environment. We need a safe home. We know we need a place that, is, that has got predictability, where we know uh, we, are, we are loved and accepted for the individual that we are. We need a place where we know that there's boundaries and guidelines and borders, as well as the opportunity to be creative and freely express. It, it's a place where we know that there is um, authority um, as well as, you know, people who can, you know, break out of the box once in a while too, you know, like here, you know, we have a place where, you know, we need someone to tell us where to park properly and make sure we don't, like, annoy the neighbors and, um, you know, when, uh, you know, we have this open, we have this open mic, which is amazing. What an example of safety. Um, do you know that like, speaking in front of public or in front of others, or sharing your heart, sharing your feelings, your opinions in front of others, is one of the scariest things for, for most human beings. And yet here we do it in spades. It's like another day at the office for us, right? Like, it's just like, oh, Holy Spirit's telling me something else. Okay, and that, I mean, what a picture of safety. The fact that you can get up and share your heart, take a chance, you know, might, might land, might, might flop, doesn't matter. What a picture of sa a safe emotional environment. Um, to be able to, you know, just stand up and share. I, I just so appreciate how that's been established here. Also adding to safety is the fact that we do have people who have been given um, places of authority and leadership and are anointed with wisdom um, and understanding. You know, we have people like, you know, Jesse and, and Richard who might have to say, oh, once in a while we might need to shut that down too. That's also a part of safety. You know, if someone wants to come up here and start speaking lies, as though they're truth, part of safety is also knowing when, no, no, that's, we're crossing some boundaries here, and we're going we're gonna to shut that down now. Like, it's, it's both, right? It's complementary. Um, 
safety is essentially um, building and maintaining one of the, the most fundamental parts of any relationship, and that is trust. That is trust. Without trust, you don't have a relationship. With trust, you can build and maintain a relationship. So that's why safety is so important. Um, and it also builds, it, it provides a foundation for attachment as well. It's actually, you know, have fellowship and, and want to stick around. <laughs> if I didn't feel safe coming here, I'd probably run the other way. Safety. Safety physically, emotionally, socially, spiritually. Um, nurturing. A home where someone can develop and grow is a, is a nurturing place. Um, I just, you know, I, I came here this morning, I was just in tears, like on and off all morning here because I just see all the love and the nurturing in this place. You know, I, I walk in the doors and there's smiling face, you know, there's just Mandy there smiling, waiting to give me a hug. It's amazing. You know, and there's this spell, like getting the coffee bar ready and some fun drinks prepared, like, you know, and there was this beautiful woman this morning there. I'm so sorry, I don't know your name, but you came and brought flowers. I just saw, I don't know what to ask you to do that. You just came and saw you just putting out some beautiful flowers on the side there. And I was just, I started crying. This is so beautiful. You know, we, um, wow. Nurturing, safe, you know, we've got a custodian who keeps the place clean. Um, oh, talk about nurturing. Okay, potluck at the beginning of every month, like, hello. Can I just give a shout out to the faithful servants who bring delicious food here at the beginning of every month? Like, God bless you, thank you, that is such a gift. And um, for you to bestow that upon us generously, and like, thank you, that, that is just service, that is just the highest service unto the Lord. <laughs> Again, Duke of girl talking, but thank you for bringing, thank you for bringing the food. Thank you to those who, you know, set up the tables and set up the chairs and then bring back down the tables and, um, you know, nurturing. Doing the, oh, doing the dishes. Thank you. Like having a, you know, if we had just like years and years of dirty dishes there, like I wouldn't really want to come. It'd be smelly. It would be disorganized. We wouldn't have clean dishes to eat on. Like that's gold. That's gold. You know, the... Oh, the half a dozen people that showed up here last weekend and, you know, took care of, like, cleaning up all the yard, all the way around so the kids can go and play their, you know, with their new toys out there without having to, like, deal with thorns and, and bushes and et cetera. And it's a clean out there and it's well done and, wow. I mean, and the list just goes on and on. This place is so nurturing. So nurturing. Fun. A, f a home that has fun is a home where people grow. It's a home where people are strong. And this place is fun. I tell you, like, the, the best party you ever go to is the one after service here every Sunday. I mean, you've got people laughing, crying, people, you know, drunk in the Holy Spirit passing out. It's a true party. It's, it's awesome. It's, <laughs> you know, you've got, you've got people dancing, waving banners. Um, it's fun. It's fun truth. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. A house that is a home is where Jesus Christ is center and is Lord. He makes it very clear in here what that looks like and what that means. He doesn't, 
you know, he doesn't make it confusing. We just need to keep diving into this and holding true to this and, and following it. Like he, he's, he's, he's given himself in word and in spirit. And of course, grace. I want to live in a home. To me, a place is a home where there is both, you know, us delighting in his commandments, where there is correction, where there are standards, where there are boundaries, where there are rules, where there are commands, and there is also just as much grace to go along it with when I screw up. <laughs> Thank you, God, for grace. That is what makes a house a home. This is not an institution. This is a home where the kingdom of God gets to grow. And I've just got a little, if the video, do we have that video working? Is that okay? If not, no worries. Sorry? Should work? Okay. Well, here's just a little video I saw around Easter. I think Leslie posted it. I loved it so much that I thought I'd share with you today just a little note about grace. Without the preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation. So that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. What an immense, I can't, I, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were, you were, you were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You'd never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and yet, and yet you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because like, I don't know. Well, you know, we, uh, uh, did you, <laughs> excuse me, let me get my supervisor. You go get the supervisor, Ranger. So, we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you are you are you are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? The guy said, "I've never heard of it in my life." And and what about? Let's just go to the doctrine of Scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually, in frustration, he says, "On on what basis are you here?" And he said, "The man on the middle cross said." I can come. Now, now, that's the, that is the only answer. That is the only answer. And if I don't preach the gospel to myself all day and every day, then I will find myself beginning to trust myself, trust my experience, which is part of my fallenness as a man. If I take my eyes off the cross, I can then give only lip service to its efficacy. 
while at the same time living as if my salvation depends upon me and as soon as you go there it will lead you either to abject despair or a horrible kind of arrogance and it is only the cross of Christ that deals both with the dreadful depths of despair and the pretentious arrogance of the pride of man that says you know I can figure this out and I'm doing wonderfully well no because the sinless savior died my sinful soul is counted free for God that justice satisfied to look on him and pardon me that's why Luther said most of your Christian life is outside of you in this sense that we know that we're not saved by good works we're not saved as a result of our professions but we're saved as a result of what Christ has achieved So today is the um, 11th anniversary of my grandfather's death. Um, anniversary, I guess, of him going home. My dad and my mother's dad. Um, how do I know that he's gone home to be with Jesus? How do I know that I'm going to see him there one day again? He was a really good man. He uh, was funny and very hardworking and very dedicated to his family. He lived very peaceably among people. He had a lot of friends. He was a fisherman. He uh, was a faithful husband. He raised five kids. You know, he wasn't perfect. He, uh, you know, he was a Dukabor man. He also volunteered and served in the military for the time. Was really sacrilegious. He, uh, you know, he, uh, from my understanding, you know, he made his mistakes. So how do I know that I'm going to be seeing him again one day? How do I know that he's home? Because the guy on the middle cross said he can come. It's Jesus was crucified between two thieves. He's the man on the middle cross. And I have no doubt in my mind that when, he's, when, when my grandfather died and Jesus said, I prepared a room for you. You want to come? Pretty sure he said, yeah. And you know, Jesus is the last person to try and control any of us. To believe means to simply receive. Receive the free gift of life that he is offering each and every one of us, each and every day, all day. We just need to receive because he says we can come. The Holy Spirit is living in this temple because Jesus made a way. You and I are in here in this, in this place because Jesus said we can come. And we are all going to go. You know, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm just going to read you a few scripture verses. John 1, 29 says, John, this is John the Baptist before Jesus started his ministry when he saw Jesus coming, said, Jesus, 
John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hebrews 10, 12, part 2 says, the sacrifice of Jesus, what he did on that cross, taking all the punishment, all the penalty for all of our sins, that was for all time, for all sins, for all time. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, just as, at, just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. All. I'm not making this up. I'm not writing it. I'm just delivering the message. Romans 5.18. Just as one sin resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act, it's Jesus on the cross for us resulted in justification and life for all people. So how do I know? Because Jesus said we can come. I'm so glad you're here this morning. And I just hope in every single day that no matter how many times you've, you have just received, you've, you've believed, which is to just receive something as truth, may you continue to receive that resurrection grace every day, all day. If this is the first time that you're hearing this, or maybe the first time you're feeling like, I am so wanting to receive that too, I pray that you will, because <laughs> Jesus says you can, and he has made a way for you to receive, to be the house that he wants to make a home, to be a part of this house that he is making a home, and to forever be with him for eternity in the room that he is preparing for you the home that will be yours forever in him. Oh, God bless us this week. May we enjoy his presence to the full each and every day. And may it just come pouring out of us. It just spread like a, like a, just a beautiful perfume to those around us that others too will come and believe, which is to receive what is true and want what he has to give us. Amen. Thanks for listening.